Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our reading from us among some of the most painfully disturbing words of Scripture. We have all prayed these famous syllables, and we've prayed them for everything under the sun. We've prayed for babies. We've prayed for health. We've prayed for the health of babies. We've prayed for scholarships and jobs, and we have prayed for rain, and we have prayed for sunshine. We've even prayed for presidents. Things have not turned out the way we wanted them to turn out. The babies don't come. The death comes too soon. It rains when it ought to shine, and it rains when we desperately need the sunshine, and Humphrey loses the election after all. I had to go deep in the past for that one. That was before I was alive, so I didn't have any stokes in that fire, I guess. But Now what can we say about these things? What can we say about these things that restore unto us some sort of an integrity? Some kind of a reality, and a reality in which our own experiences are not demonstrated as being totally and utterly false. Shall we begin by making a customary defense? Asserting that we, we have not prayed hard enough. Or that we had prayed for the wrong things. Or that our prayer warriors were false. Or maybe we just didn't have the numbers. We're generally pious enough to remind ourselves, thy will be done. But we have also lacked faith. And our prayers occasionally have been immodest, selfish. But what kind of a God would he be if he were to plunge us into such embarrassment that we were compelled to cite all of the mitigating circumstances by which we can explain that he just simply has not kept his promise? Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. It seems simple enough. Knock, seek, ask. But what if we'd never known these words? These specific words. What if the asking and the seeking and the knocking were for someone or for something to which we had never contended before. Perhaps if we were hearing this parable for the very first time. I mean, let's face it, who has not been awakened at three o'clock in the morning by neighbors seeking three loaves of bread? Happens all the time. It's in my neighborhood, right? I mean, it may not have been early in the morning and they may not have been asking for three loaves of bread but I guarantee you, all of you have that insistent friend. You have indeed unbolted the proverbial door and grudgingly handed over the biddles or whatever it was that they wanted and or needed. Sometimes you did it just to get rid of them. Sometimes it's easier to just say yes than it is to say no for a tenth time. Does Jesus mean to imply that the Lord God of heaven and earth is like that? 
That if we ask imperatively, if that we seek insistently, if we knock resolutely, that he will indeed answer like some grudging old man next door? No. More than any earthly father, he will satisfy the needs of his children. He knows what we need. He knows what it is to, 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 to keep his little monkey fish alive. He knows what makes us tick. Here Jesus arrives at the climax of his story. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the spirit unto those who ask? And so there it is. Ask for a Maserati and get the Holy Spirit of God. Ask for a spouse and get the Holy Spirit of God. Knock on that glass ceiling and get the Holy Spirit of God. When we ask and we knock and we seek on the vault of heaven, bidding the Lord God to send us his spirit, he will hear us and he will answer us. And you think, what a letdown. After all of that buildup, what Jesus promises is the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason we feel let down in that is because we are sinners, to be sure. We really would like that Maserati. Now you've gone and spiritualized, spiritualized the whole thing, haven't you, Pastor? But what is it to pray if we're not praying for the Spirit of God to rest richly and dwell fully within our lives? To pray for the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to pray with the Spirit, that God would do that which is just and holy and right. In, with, and under our lives. Now, I'm not unsympathetic. I know full well that if you don't have any bread, if you can't find any work, if you don't have a place to sleep, there's not going to be a lot of you left around to pray. But what of it? I mean, really. If Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead, your spirits are alive. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your immortal bodies and also through that spirit. Put more simply, man does not live by bread alone. The greatest gift that the almighty God can give, he can and will and has and continues to give unto you. And that is what makes these words so important. That is where these words bring us the true peace that comes in the rest of God. For God brings unto us the inheritance of God. A new existence that is already broken through into the realm of mankind. The kingdom of God has come. And that kingdom has come unto you. You are a member of that kingdom. 
That eternal life that God has promised unto you is already your present possession. It is yours. It is yours in his triumph, in his victory, in his reign. Now that's something worth to ask for. That's something worth pleading for the Lord God Almighty that he would continue to keep us in that family. That's something to seek for. That's something to knock for. When a man asks and seeks and knocks for Christ, he asks and knocks and seeks for everything that there is. The most important gift is asked for first. That we might have faith in these words that God is for us. When Jesus turned to his disciples just before his trek to Calvary, he asked, When I sent you out with no purse, no bags, no sandals, did you lack for anything? Their answer was no. In fact, they came back rejoicing at the power the Spirit had lived in their lives. He had given them only the Spirit of their Father, as Matthew put it. And inside of that gift was everything needful for this body and life. We're treated as poor, says Paul, and yet we're rich. We're treated as though we have nothing, and yet we possess everything. Again to the Corinthians, Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple? That his spirit dwells within you? Let no one boast of men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or death or life or present or future. All of these things are already yours. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, he dwells richly within you. And therefore, let us pray. Let us pray earnestly for the Spirit of God. For the guarantee of God in this age would transplant us from old into new, into a life that has already been laid down for us to intercede for us when speech runs out. Yes, to feed and to clothe us and to shelter and to protect us, but also to raise us up unto our God. And in that gift is everything that there is. We pray just not for needs and occasional wants. But we pray for heaven itself. That thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.